0: Hello everyone, welcome to the episode 52 of Solid Saturday. The guest we have today, Dr. Jennifer Dustaw. She has focused on helping others since 2000. She is equipped with a doctoral of education, educational leadership from Argosy University. She is now intently focused on mainstreaming children suffering from autism into productive educational situations. Also, a certified cognitive behavioral learning specialist She has spent over 15 years working one-on-one with children diagnosed under the autism spectrum. Wow! She is really doing great and leading her area of interest. So let's just welcome her and hear more about her career journey. How did she find her area of interest and managing to lead that? So welcome Dr. Jennifer. Very happy to have you on the show and really appreciate all your time and consideration.
1: Thank you. That was an incredible introduction. I'm kind of looking around saying, who is that person you're talking about? (laughs) That was very, very kind of you. So thank you
0: so much. It's a huge pleasure to be here with you. Thank Um, you you so much. It was awesome connecting you. And before we begin, actually, just to give uh, audience an idea, would you like to share more about the autism? um,
1: What aspect? Autism is pretty huge, and it's also very controversial.
2: So,
0: <laughs> um, just give you like a basic understanding to them, like you know, uh, as we are going to discuss it more. So, um. Okay, so um,
1: I can share with you my um, interpretation of mm-hmm. autism. My interpretation with autism, which is based on years and years of experience of working with several families um, and with children and with different service providers, mm-hmm. is to me it's a brain processing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and as simple as that sounds there's also other components that go into that brain processing Mm -hmm. there's the sensitivity Um, these are very extremely sensitive individuals Mm -hmm. that process information different than we do they they access different parts of the brain that that most of us don't Uh and so that's my approach with autism okay
0: yeah (laughs) <laughs> that's that's good actually because the audience will be aware that what we are going to discuss more and uh, moving towards our first section is about passion and interest. So as I see your career journey, so how did you find your uh, interest in this education field and what steps did you take uh, to follow that passion or the interest?
1: Um, my passion started with a lot of failures. <laughs> <laughs> Not a lot of... <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Um... And and not failures in the way um, that I failed as an individual, mm-hmm. but more in the way of I was hoping my my career would go in a different path than than it has. Mm-hmm. So I sort of explained that autism picked me. The first child that I worked with, um, mm-hmm. I work with with behaviors, mm-hmm. and my approach is as a cognitive, your thinking creates your reality. So we need to get to the root of what your thinking is.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: And so um, my specialty was children that got kicked out of private schools or out of schools, I would work with them to get them back into school and work out a behavior plan that everyone on the team could Mm -hmm. participate and be successful. Mm -hmm. And sort of known as a a cleaner upper is what I was known as. Mm -hmm. And someone called me up, and said, we have this little girl that's autistic. Will you come and take a look and see if you can help? And I was, I don't know anything about autism. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I think you've asked the wrong person. And because I was looking at my career going in a, in a certain way. And so I said, okay, I'll come. And when I met this little girl, tiny little thing that was in the corner And she was not choosing to make all the behaviors that was keeping her in the preschool. Uh And so I fell in love with this little girl. It took a bit Uh (laughs) because she had some behaviors that were somewhat unacceptable. But Mm -hmm. she was the one that taught me what autism was. Uh She was the one that showed me and tried to explain to me what it felt like. Uh And that was... That's She's cool. in university right now um, studying medicine. Oh, wow. mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, Thank you so much for sharing. Moving towards our next section is about questions from the audience. I have shortlisted a couple of questions for you. So the first question we received was, can kids with autism go to the regular school? Yes. Mm-hmm.
1: Yep. That is a flat yes. Yeah.
0: So
2: that is like a the problem.
1: next part of that, the next part of that yes is they can do it with support. Mm-hmm. They also need additional training because of how their brain processes.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Is it possible? Yes. One of the things that I started, um, I think it was in 2007. So it'd be 13 years ago. It's mm-hmm. 2020, correct? Yeah. Yes. Yes. <laughs> um, go COVID. <laughs> it really changes things. Um, I created a preschool And this preschool was for kids with autism. And it wasn't a preschool that that children could attend full time
2: Mm
1: -hmm. um, other than to deal with their behaviors, but they had to be part of another preschool. Mm -hmm. So what would occur is we would pull them out of the other preschool. We would work on behaviors. We would work on sensitivity, but they would go back to the other preschool. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: And it was hugely successful. Mm -hmm. And there were several in our pilot project that we had, and we did it in Honolulu, Hawaii. We had a total of nine children over two years, Mm
2: -hmm.
1: and five of them got placed in very prestigious preschools or um, public or prestigious private schools. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: So it was, um, yeah, it was quite successful, but it was a lot of work. Mm -hmm. There was a lot of failure that went with that. There was a lot of regrouping and Mm -hmm. trying different things so it wasn't just a direct from one point to the next point there was a lot of i call it the path of the butterfly mm-hmm. so there was a lot of different fluttering in different directions to get where we needed to but we did get there
0: mm-hmm. yeah that's good actually uh to the audience as well to know that uh, those can be treated as a normal uh, kids and if you support nothing is impossible actually so thank you so much for sharing. Moving towards our next uh, question is about, uh, again related to the autism actually. how much sleep and autism are related? Can kids with autism can have more sleep hours? Oh,
1: sleep and autism that is a very complicated conversation. <laughs> um, The way I sort of explain it to people, when you meet a child with autism, you've met one child with autism because Mm -hmm. autism has a different influence on each child. Mm -hmm. So even though there may be patterns that are there, Mm -hmm. children with autism are very individual and they have to have a very individual approach. And so that weaves us back to the question of sleep. Mm -hmm. Children with autism generally don't require a lot of sleep. However, there are children that do sleep a lot. So it's sort of, it's both. Mm -hmm. They either sleep too much or not enough. The children that don't sleep enough, Mm -hmm. they um, generally also have high levels of anxiety due to their sensitivity. So they're picking up on a lot of things that are happening um, in the environment. Mm-hmm. And it's not allowing them to relax enough to sleep. So there's different things that with a physician that they mm-hmm. can take a look at the parents mm-hmm. to help them sleep. And natural things like melatonin, um, there's different things that can, that can occur through music,
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, lighting mm-hmm. for the children that, that have difficulty sleeping. For the children that like to sleep a lot, mm-hmm. then it's um, finding ways in which to wake them up and find them activities that they will engage in mm-hmm. that will keep them awake. Because when you have a child that wants to sleep a lot, you can wake them up and they'll be like the rag doll. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> mm-hmm. So it tends to go one way or the
0: other mm-hmm. is what I found. Yeah. And then one more question that I received is, uh, how come autism be diagnosed?
1: Oh, um,
0: the thing that I normally do with parents,
1: um, moms. Mm-hmm. Moms seem to feel right from day one that something's not right. Oh. Moms are the best indicators. Mm-hmm. Um, they also can be the biggest person in denial because they don't want to know that their beautiful child could be anything wrong, but they feel it. They feel it in their heart. They feel it in their soul that something's not quite right. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Um, What I've found with parents, once again, they they can either be very proactive or -hmm. they can hide it. And usually when parents hide it, there's a lot of shame that's involved in the fact that there's something that could be wrong with their child. Mm -hmm. But the moms are usually the best indicators Usually, when the moms are proactive, the dad generally has carries the shame and doesn't is in denial part.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, um, but moms generally do, and so what I find happens is um, parents will reach out to me, either the mom or dad, mm-hmm. and they'll say, "I don't know if my child is autistic or not. How do I know?"
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And you know, I can't do anything over the phone and never works or through emails. So some of the indicators that I ask them is one, do you get a sense that something's not quite right? That's Mm -hmm. the first thing. Mm -hmm. The second thing is, is tell me things about your child and what they're doing that makes you feel this.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: And then from there I'll follow up with some additional questions. Mm -hmm. Um, to see kind of like, okay, do we, do we need to look at testing this child or could this be something else that's happening?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, in one case I had parents contact me and the, the mom and dad were both proactive and they were sure that their child had autism mm-hmm. and with some questions and some conversation and some dialogue, I said, before you go any further with me, go have your child tested.
2: Mm-hmm. Your
1: is hearing. Uh-huh. And it turned out the child had a blockage in one of their ears. And once they washed that away, they cleaned it out. But they had to go to a medical doctor to do this. Uh-huh. Um, the child's behavior started to shift quite fast.
2: Uh-huh. And then
1: within that shifting, I said, okay, so now we've got some delayed things. Here are the people you need to go and see, speech therapists. Um, you have also going to have a bit of a balance issue
2: uh-huh. because the
1: child's had one blocked ear. Mm-hmm. So you need to go to an occupational therapist, so even though your child may check all those boxes,
2: mm-hmm. it
1: still not may not be what's going on
2: mm-hmm.
1: and And so for me, even though we need to be very proactive and, and address things quite quickly,
2: mm-hmm.
1: we also have to take the time to breathe
2: mm-hmm.
1: and to look at what the data is showing us. Mm-hmm. And see what else we need to take a look at mm-hmm. before we go right down the path of
2: mm-hmm. the
1: child is diagnosed with autism yeah. and that's generally my approach with that so I'm a very teen type person
0: <laughs> yeah so I just uh, out of curiosity uh, what I, I have a question like you know uh, when you think about convincing the parents telling them that their kid is suffering from the autism how difficult or the, how, how challenging is it to accept that fact? To, to ask them whether they... Yeah, so to accept that our kid is suffering from the autism, how difficult it is on the parental side? It varies. Okay. It, it,
1: it, it varies a, a great deal. Um, one of the other things is, is support from family members. Mm-hmm. Um, if there's a lot of support from family members, mm-hmm. it's much easier... To embrace what's going whatever is happening Mm -hmm. if the parents don't have that support or additional support it's easier to deny it Mm -hmm. than it is to face it Mm -hmm. does that make sense and I think that's more of a survival thing
2: yeah
1: and and I don't think that the parents are being neglectful I don't think they're being irresponsible it is just what they can handle so support is key Mm -hmm. Um. With, with dealing with a child with any type of special needs. <laughs> did, did that answer it?
0: Yes, yes. Thank you so much for sharing. And moving towards our third uh, section is about explore or like a fun segment, which we introduced like, uh, since a couple of episodes. So, here I'm going to give you three words and uh, you have to tell me whatever comes to your mind whenever you hear those words. So okay. Abstract content. Uh, so, are you ready? Mm hmm. Yeah. So the first word is kids. The first word is which?
1: Kids. Could you spell that? I'm sorry. Kids. Kids. K K-I-D. I.
2: Kids. Kids. Yeah. Kids. Yeah. Kid. yeah. Beautiful.
0: Beautiful. Uh, beautiful.
1: beautiful. Autism. Autism. Possible.
0: Possible. And global- anything's possible. Yeah. And global health.
1: Oh, needed.
0: Needed, right? Okay. That's great, actually. Uh, You were really, very good at that. So thank you so much. I like
1: this game. Let's play it again.
0: (laughs) Actually, it's very difficult. Like, you know, you are the first person, I guess, who came up with like uh, actual abstract, like, you know, uh, giving the one word associated with it, which is very difficult. the one I gave two. Everything's possible. You need like sentences to describe, right? So it's very hard when it comes to telling something in very abstract, like a short form. So thank you so much. And uh, moving towards our next section is about exploring your career, work, and volunteering. So the first question under that section is, uh, you are a cognitive behavioral learning specialist. Would you like to share more insights about it with the audience? Okay, so um, the cognitive behavioral uh,
1: society or the, the group in that area is, is relatively new.
2: Mm-hmm. It is
1: a new field. And what drew me to it is um i had a professor in university and he was a cognitive behavioral specialist mm-hmm. and he was taking interns in mm-hmm. and i listened to him talk in regards to his passion and his thought process mm-hmm. in healing and the approach to healing for me i I've, I've never been comfortable with having someone's answers
2: mm-hmm.
1: because f- for me I barely have my own at times. So how am I going to have other people's answers and from a book? Uh And we all know that when books are written, that doesn't mean that's where we're at. We may have evolved since then, but we're still using that approach from that book. Uh So those things for me didn't sit well with me. Uh So then I had this professor, um, Dr. Gills, Uh and he talked about cognitive and our thinking and how it is the steering wheel to our reality. Mm-hmm. So even if we want a million dollars, if our thinking is still this, the million dollars would not bring us joy.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So it's the thinking and that creates the awareness mm-hmm. of what we allow into our realities or mm-hmm. what we'll see.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And I just I to me I lit up. I'm thinking, I, I like this approach. This this yeah. could work for me. Mm-hmm. And, and as I mentioned earlier about a lot of failures, um, I had, um, kind of dabbled in all the different types of psychology. And as I went into it, it was like, no, nah, it doesn't work for me. No, nah, it doesn't work for me. I'd start out and I'd be like, oh, this is it. This is it. And I'd get further with, and I'm like, no, it doesn't resonate with me. It, mm-hmm. it doesn't. And no matter how much I tried, it didn't resonate. I, d- I look around at the other students and they're not jazzed. Like I'm not jazzed like them. Mm-hmm. So then. When it came to the cognitive behavioral approach, mm-hmm. it was from the first class I had with him, I, I was lit up like a Christmas tree. This to me was going to work. This,
2: this, mm-hmm. was, was,
1: this spoke to me. Mm-hmm. And so from there I had to negotiate with him because he, he wasn't taking on any more students um, in his clinical because it was 15, 1,500 hours clinical,
2: mm-hmm.
1: which is a lot of commitment on their side um, mm-hmm. because they're teaching us. Mm-hmm. and we're going to make a lot of mistakes.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: so they still have to keep their patients safe from us <laughs> learning. Yes.
2: Yeah. Right. And, uh-huh.
1: and so I found that within the first couple months,
2: uh-huh.
1: it was like I could see it inside my head.
2: Uh-huh.
1: I could see the dialogue. I could see the events. Uh-huh. And it just lined up for me. Mm-hmm. and then from there the rest of the clinical hours went very quickly i was like can't we do more <laughs> and then it's like no you have to get out and you're done mm-hmm. and i'm like no 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 i like staying here because it's like the womb you're nice and safe you're mm-hmm. not really in, any mistakes you make are being caught very quickly because of your supervision
2: mm-hmm.
1: and you know the debriefings and um so that was that was kind of very scary for me Mm -hmm. that um, it's like having trainer wheels and then they're taken away, Mm -hmm. but you know, you can do it, but Mm -hmm. the training wheels can make you feel pretty safe. Mm -hmm. And that was when I was looking at my career going down private practice as a cognitive behaviorist. And that's when it took a detour to autism. Mm -hmm. And I started applying the cognitive behavioral principles Mm -hmm. to working with um, this child with autism. And it was very successful. Mm -hmm. So then what happened from there, another parent said, oh, I've seen that you've been successful with this child. Will you work with my child? And so, of course, I have to give the disclaimer Mm
2: -hmm. that
1: I kind of don't know what I'm doing. And with parents, they were like, I don't care. It's better than nothing. Or it's mm-hmm. better than us being on a waiting list. It's better than what we have right now. So mm-hmm. I'm thinking, that can't be good. You know, <laughs> You're out of elimination, right? That it's, it's better than nothing. So um, then the next child. And, you know, I had to tweak mm-hmm. the approach to, to work with each child. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was successful again. Mm-hmm. And so that led me down the path of applying the cognitive behavioral principles to working with children with autism, Mm -hmm. which changed my career. It changed my path and what was occurring with it. And of course, being a cognitive behaviorist, um, applying those principles when it's all basically psychology, um, sociology, psychiatry, that's been used with autism. Mm -hmm. You know, and along comes this new idea of uh-huh. thinking okay, well, what if we approach their thinking?
2: Uh-huh.
1: Or what if we look at their brain processing?
2: Uh-huh.
1: And so I kind of approached it like kids with dyslexia. Children uh-huh. with dyslexia um, over 50, 100 years ago were treated um, in psychiatric, they received shock treatment. Uh-huh. And as we learned what dyslexia was and how it worked in the brain, Uh we approached it differently.
2: Uh And if
1: you look at the evolution of autism, the same thing's occurring again, Uh where we're looking at it as a brain processing Uh and we're approaching it differently with, of course, the sensitivity that goes in with it, with their diet, Uh um, and also their tactile and things like that. So weaving this back to my career, um was selecting autism Mm
2: -hmm.
1: or selecting as a cognitive behaviorist it was more of it felt right for me Mm
2: -hmm.
1: it was a new field and i knew there was going to be a lot of resistance with it Mm -hmm. but i could only go with how i felt and how it Mm -hmm. it felt with me because if i felt like my cup was full then i'm going to have that influence on others If I chose something where I didn't feel like my inner cup was full, I would be approaching all the clients Mm -hmm. as a half empty cup. And I would be, you know, it it wouldn't be the same outcome that I would be looking for and what I'd want to have happen. Mm -hmm. So, um, kind of selfish. So it was more about how I felt (laughs) and, and how it, and, it, it wasn't without being difficult. I mean, it was very difficult learning and a lot of the difficult part is a cognitive behaviors is, is looking at what thinking was I bringing to the situation?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: What was I bringing to the events
2: mm-hmm.
1: where you have to do a lot mm-hmm. of in, internal journaling and, and all of the professions do that.
2: Mm-hmm. I found
1: for me, this one was what was I thinking? Why was I thinking that? Where mm-hmm. was that thinking coming from? Mm-hmm.
2: Yes.
1: And and what I mean by that is, so if I went and saw a child with autism and I looked at them and I, I would say, well, I don't see you being able to do that. <laughs> rather than, how can I help you get that?
0: Yes. Yeah, yeah. That shows actually your courage as well because you went what you failed through. And like it's moreover like, When it comes to passion or the interest, we are talking more about that as well, that you know, whenever you are passionate about something, bringing the change or bringing the change in thinking, it is more about you have to feel that inside first, and then you can do something about it. So thank you so much. I really appreciate that you appeared on the show. Uh, Moving towards the next uh, question is about the Aloha Autism Development Foundation. So would you like to share about how this foundation works and what services do they provide?
1: Okay, so that actually came through a connection through LinkedIn. Mm -hmm. Um, There was a gentleman that I was um, in conversation with in Bangladesh, Mm -hmm. and he had seen some of my work, and Mm -hmm. he was very impressed with it. So he started talking to me in regards to that and about whether I would be interested in in helping in Bangladesh, Mm -hmm. that there would be no money involved. It would probably cost me money to do this. Mm -hmm. And so I said, okay. So <laughs> we didn't know each other at all and we just went on, on faith uh-huh. and that feeling I talked to you about, like it's inside, it just felt right. Uh-huh. And so of course all the paperwork had to be filed because they needed someone with expertise in the field. Um, my research is still one of the biggest research with kids with autism as preschoolers. I think it's in 27 languages uh-huh. um, that's used in the academic world uh-huh. and so it brought a lot of weight to doing an NGO, non-government organization. Mm-hmm. So he handled all the paperwork on that end. I handled all the structure of setting it up, you know, like how it was going to look, and because that's my expertise, and I knew what was needed.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Then from there, um, what we do is I Skype in. Mm-hmm. And he has, see right now with COVID, it changes things. and makes us very much more creative mm-hmm. of how we uh, are meeting the needs of the families and the children. Mm-hmm. There's a translator mm-hmm. and I work with the translator and then we work with the mom and the child. And because it's such a vast difference because we have families that have money and we have families that don't have money. Mm -hmm. and um, to me, whether they have money or not is irrelevant to me. What's Mm -hmm. relevant to me is that they have a child in need, and our job is to help them fulfill that need so the child can be productive Mm
2: -hmm. and can
1: participate in the world around them. Mm -hmm. So our services um, right now fall down to um, Amos and myself Mm
0: -hmm. and
1: a couple of my other colleagues that still take my phone calls, when I begged them for help (laughs) and I have to start with, yes, this is another free thing that we're doing Uh Um, because the families can't afford it. And especially when you look at translating the money from Uh that country to us, it's, it's, there's no way Uh that they could afford services. So right now what we're doing is it's through me with Skyping. Uh Once the COVID thing is lifted, the school will open, because um, we are on the process of opening the school, and the school will provide services, um, actual day activities that we'll be working with the families and the, and the children
2: mm-hmm.
1: to develop them so that they can either mainstream into a school mm-hmm. or we start setting them up for what type of career will they be doing.
2: Mm-hmm. Because
1: they have to participate in the world. They, they have to be part of the solution. They can't be part of the problem with our mm-hmm. earth and and so that's what we look at doing and and it's all it's decided by their parents it's decided where do you want to go with your child where do you want this to be Mm
2: -hmm. and
1: then from there it's our job to get it done and we have to be so creative on how we do it Um, because the other thing is there's If I work with a family in North America or in other parts of the country where it's a bit wealthier, I can say to them, oh, get this, get this. And then, and for us there, we're like, okay, what would be a similar thing? For example, we needed to increase the strength in um, one of the the children's hands because they couldn't hold a pencil. They, you know what I mean? And they had difficulty holding cups and utensils and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And so there's different kind of elastic band things that we have here that you can do. So mm-hmm. Amos and I were thinking and thinking, what can we do? And so I ex- described to him what it is we need to do. And he's so smart. He's like, he's, he's so funny and smart. He goes, he goes. we can do this. So it's a tennis ball. So we're going to a tennis ball and the child is squeezing it to start developing the hand strength. And mm-hmm. then the fingers close together, fingers far apart. So it's creating different muscles
2: mm-hmm. and
1: it's, actually doing the same thing as these elastic band things that they would need to purchase. So we really have to think outside the box a lot Mm -hmm. to be able to create this. And we're getting to the point now where the child is able to, to hold the item like a pencil or a crayon longer without her hand getting tired, without it being extremely uncomfortable and she wants to quit. Right. So, so it's, (laughs) <laughs> it's a very creative journey with that and I love it uh-huh. because oh the parents are amazing. They're so grateful and they're so kind. So many times I'd leave the skypes and I'm just in tears uh-huh. because of how they touch my heart and I think I'm getting more out of it than they are uh-huh. because it's such food for the soul and the spirit.
0: Uh-huh. Yeah. So, Thank you so much, actually. And one more important uh, like you know, title that you have is uh, you are an author of Embracing Calmness. So would you like to share more about your book?
1: Oh, okay. So the book, um, that one is, it's based off the research. The, remember I mentioned earlier the, the, the dissertation research they did that's in 27 language um, about introducing midline exercise? Mm-hmm to to get the the different parts of the brain communicating Mm -hmm. so what I wanted to do in my doctorate is I wanted to show that we could create an intervention with children with autism in a preschool atmosphere Mm -hmm. that wouldn't cost a lot of money and wouldn't require a lot of expertise Mm
2: -hmm.
1: at the time when I did it, it was in 2007 they the, it was skyrocketing what parents were paying. I mean, they were mortgaging their homes. They were draining their family bank accounts, um, extended family bank accounts. And it was heartbreaking. It was absolutely heartbreaking seeing these people go from one status of life uh-huh. to, to being kind of broke. Uh-huh. And so I did a lot of research. I was also on the uh, Traumatic Brain Injury Committee in Hawaii at the time. Mm-hmm. So my, my approach was more about the brain, the brain. How can we look at this? So then I started looking at different research that was out there. And it had been proposed by other individuals in different states of America to do a research study of this nature.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: But it was always denied at the internal review board at mm-hmm. the university. And so I had a very good committee. I had a very strong committee that forced me to, to keep going. Mm -hmm. So I was able to get approved, which started the study. It was a six-week study, and we flipped the coin each day. So I didn't know whether we were going to be doing the intervention of midline exercises or not. So midline exercises are only exercises that cross the midline of the body. Mm -hmm. So, But there's lots of different ones that you can do that help reboot the brain. And they're not new. They -hmm. use them with stroke victims. Yoga uh, is based on... Midline exercises are based on yoga too, mm-hmm. um, trying to think of martial arts. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's not a new invention, it's application of it.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And um, so we would do it for a set amount of time. And then we would take data on that, on their behaviors. So we had, we had six behavior, five behaviors mm-hmm. that we were looking at measuring. So, and then if we flipped the coin and it came that there was no exercise done that in, during circle time, then we would measure their behaviors during that same set amount of time. And we did it for six weeks. Uh And there was 88 preschoolers, I think 23 schools that participated. Uh And the findings were astounding. Uh
2: Uh, They
1: were children's behavior. Uh Um, And some of the schools implemented it in the whole school because of success in the preschool in regards to it. So then the research went out. It was published. It was picked up by a German German publishing company
2: mm-hmm. and
1: a scientific one that just ran with it, which mm-hmm. ended up getting it into universities and things like that.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: But what was, I was finding is that parents weren't getting their hands on this.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So when I looked at the dissertation, it's boring. It's exciting to me, but it's boring. yes.
0: yes. <laughs> <laughs> But, but but that's fine actually this is like you know how the world also works it is not like uh, everything what you find interesting would be like that much interesting to the others as well but this is kind of a general topic that uh, really very like you know happy to have you uh, to talk like to talk about autism and making that awareness within the audience as well so you mentioned your application as well uh, in prior discussion so what is the happy drj app and how does it help so just to mention, actually, the Happy DRJ app is currently available in English, French, Italian, German, Spanish, Chinese, Dutch, Hindu, uh, Hindi, uh, Bangla, uh, Filipino, Portuguese, Telugu, Tamil, Arabic, and Japanese. And the cost of Happy DRJ app is one time free for under $1 USD. So would you like to share more about it? Sure.
1: i just like to finish up with the other book. Uh-huh. So the other midline exercise book is... Is that same research and the exercises, but made so simple that anyone can understand. So even if you hate math, you could read the graphs and you can figure it out. And so that's all I did is I took that research Mm
2: -hmm. and
1: put it into a book. I think it's 20 some pages Mm
2: -hmm. and kind of
1: outlines it and also includes the exercises that you can do with your child. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: And um, I think it's on sale right now on Amazon because it's got that um, Black Friday thing coming up. Uh before Thanksgiving or whatever it is. So now onto the app. So I actually had a parent that I was working with and they said, why don't you create an app?
2: Mm -hmm.
1: And I said, I'm not good at apps. I'm not good at technology. (laughs) And they said, take what you do, And Uh see if you can put it into an app. So, what I did is I took the midline exercises and we created them into happy. So, the child, we have characters, cartoon characters that walk the child through it. And it includes affirmations, positive affirmations that they can do while they're doing the midline exercises. Uh The other part of the app is social stories. Uh So, it helps the child with emotions, feelings, and application of emotions and feelings and we add to those social stories on a regular basis
2: mm-hmm.
1: and um we tried to pick different one of the ones that we're about ready to release right now is one on video games
2: mm-hmm.
1: and a child spending too much time on video games and so we're finding that parents also go like oh that's a really good idea and then for the child when they watch the social story it's like oh <laughs> That's why we have to put boundaries on this. <laughs> uh-huh. And so these social stories, like I said, are, been, are being added to on a regular basis. And it's all for the additional $1. So once you pay the $1 US, it includes everything that happens with the app, upgrades, additional social stories. So it's a one-time fee only. And with the fee to this, there's no commercials in it. Mm-hmm. There's there's nothing that you have to log out of or log into. Once you go in, you can pick the language that you want. Mm-hmm. Um, a couple of the children that have the app that the parents have given me feedback on, they're actually going to the different languages and learning the different languages because they like it. <laughs> and I didn't anticipate that. Mm-hmm. I made it more like more user friendly for mm-hmm. for for different cultures, but I didn't anticipate the children going in and using it to learn other languages. Mm-hmm. So we try to upload uh, about two social stories Mm -hmm. a month and that will go until we actually fill the app and we can't add any more. But I think it it tops out like in 500 or a lot of social stories. So that will all be right now. I think we've got, we've got about 20 social stories. I'm not quite sure. 15, 20. I'm not sure. Something like that. But those, and each time we add it to it, um, when they turn open the app, it will automatically add the new social story into it.
0: Okay. That's great, actually. I will encourage the audience as well to check, check that out, as well as her two books, which she mentioned. And moving towards our next section is about tips and advice. So when we are talking a lot more about your passion and the interest, would you like to uh, give any tips to the advice to the students or the kids uh, who are trying to you know, pursue their passion in any specific field? what would be the most important advice that you would like to give?
1: I think the best advice and it's advice I follow myself. Uh-huh. is take a deep breath. We spend so much time racing around uh-huh. thinking we're going to find our answers and where we need to go.
2: Uh-huh.
1: Um, for me, it's, it's take a deep breath,
2: uh-huh.
1: close your eyes Mm -hmm. And where are you guided to? Because that's your path.
2: Mm -hmm. And
1: Mm -hmm. whether we like that path or not, that path will bring us enormous joy. Like Mm -hmm. the path with me working with autism wasn't something I had selected, Mm -hmm. but it has brought me enormous joy. So the biggest advice I can bring is take a deep breath. Mm -hmm. Take that moment to listen inside. Mm because your answers are there and you'll be guided because each one of us have a purpose for being here and we have all the time we need Uh to get to it and to be successful at it.
0: Uh Yeah. So uh, thank you so much. And that is definitely like, you know, for the kids, it is the best advice to have irrespective of whichever field they are trying to grow or build their career in. And towards the closure, moving towards the closure of this uh, episode, we are moving towards the leadership. So, the way you are leading your passion. So, what do you think is your leadership style, and any specific leader that you always follow or admire, and why? Um, I am a
1: systems thinker. Mm-hmm. Um, my leadership style would be more as a servant leader.
2: Oh, okay. Mm-hmm.
1: And when I think of servant leader,
2: mm-hmm.
1: it, as a leader, it's just a role.
2: Mm-hmm. You're not
1: a leader if you don't have followers. So the followers and the leadership need each other. Mm-hmm. So then that means they're, they're equal ingredients. Mm-hmm. So the leadership isn't better than the followers. The followers aren't better than the leadership. It's a relationship. Yeah. And, so, and so it's, it's, it's different Um, things to focus on, but they have equal value. So servant leadership. Mm -hmm. um, I think for a role model would be the New Zealand prime minister. Mm -hmm. Um, Jacinda um, is is an amazing woman. And what I think is so amazing about her leadership Mm -hmm. is you get to see her heart.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. And when you can see the stress on her face when she makes decisions, and mm-hmm. you feel the des- the tough decisions that she makes mm-hmm. keep her up at night, mm-hmm. but she has to make a decision mm-hmm. um, for 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 the country that she's keeping safe.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And it's not without its cost to her personally. And she's not bitter about it. She's not angry about it. She's not, it's, it's like every interview I see her in, it's like she looks at you and says, thank you for letting me do this. I'm mm-hmm. trying to do this the best way I can. Mm-hmm. And I'm using as much resources as I can to do this,
2: mm-hmm.
1: but it's not going to be perfect but it's the best I can bring to the table. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: And Mm -hmm. she doesn't attack other people when she makes that statement. She doesn't, she owns it. She Mm -hmm. owns Mm -hmm. who and what she is in her style. So she blows me away. I'd love to work with her one day. (laughs) I would love to work with her one day. I would love to be in the same room with her one day. I'd be good with that.
0: Yeah, yeah i think uh, the way you are leading definitely would have more opportunities to meet more prime ministers from other countries as well. i hope so <laughs> yeah so you can meet actually as many prime ministers you want to so, so thank you so much i really appreciate all your time and concentration being on the show and uh, to end this episode i am going to end it with a quote that the way uh, jennifer is leading her area of interest i would feel it is that nothing is impossible if you follow if you Keep a courage to follow your heart. So thank you so much. And as I always say, until we meet, happy leading. Let's lead together. Stay safe. Bye. Bye.